Welcome to the Heal Black Joy podcast presents Soul Food and War. I'm Lola Troy, the host and curator of Heal Black Joy, the learning platform for our community to heal our black joy with tangible and attainable programs for the mind, body, soul, relationships, and businesses. Welcome to our Ode to Black Men series, where we talk about topics that are specific for black men. And in today's conversation, we are talking about black men and relationships with their children. And today, our wonderful guest is Dr. Tori J. Evans Barton. <laughs> she is a trauma-informed healing coach and the number one, when I say the number one, I say the number one <laughs> reunification expert in the country. She is as has a passionate nonprofit um, that that is called the Fatherless Generation Foundation. She is a licensed and ordained minister, certified cognitive behavioral practitioner, and a state certified family and divorce mediator. Dr. Tori J, as we affectionately call her, is a speaker on the transformative power he power healing has on our lives when we identify, acknowledge, and confront our father wounds. She is a reunification expert and specializes in the reunification of fatherless children with their biological fathers. To date, she has reunited 8,275 fatherless children with 3,219 biological fathers. Her mission is to heal and minimize the impact negative stigmas associated with growing up fatherless or having or having individuals and are associated with growing up fatherless in the world. She is a proud recipient of the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award from the 44th President of the United States, yes. Barack Obama, our forever president. Dr. Tori J is a regular on the Ricky the Ricky Smiley Morning Show uh, with her segment Father's Day. She is a Forbes Business Council member. She is also an author, a speaker, a wife, and a bonus mom. Heal Black Joy Tribe, can we give a warm, warm, warm Hello. welcome to Dr. Tori J. Evans Barton? Yay! Hi, Hi, lady. Now we've known each other for a long time. People that are tuning in, thank you guys, thank you guys, thank you guys, thank you guys for tuning in tonight. And I see Chef Kevin on here. I see Joshua on here. Thanks for I see joining. So us. many of these people. I'm gonna tell you right now. If you don't share this post, this right here is the one that you need to share out. So I need you to <laughs> click on that button. And share it out to your tribe, because this is going to be a real serious conversation, you guys. A real serious conversation. We already so, know. <laughs> let me just say this. Um, the thing for November, as you know, we talked about this, has been my ode to Black men. Um, all things Black men. We have had a lot of, we have a lot of female followers here at Heal Black Joy, and as of late, I've gotten a lot of uh, black male father followers, which I'm super duper proud of because healing black joy is encompassing of everybody. That's children, men, and women, right? 
Um, I started this process out to heal black women specifically because I'm a black woman, but we can't heal one without healing the other. We can't. Facts. And with that being said, November has been my ode to black men and everything that has been plaguing them, all of their issues, whether it's health, depression, family issues, relationships. And we don't talk about these things often enough. So when it comes to relationship with children, there was no other person that I could even fathom <laughs> having this conversation with. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't fathom having this conversation with anybody else because you are such an advocate, not only for Black families, but you're such an advocate for Black men. And because you're a Black woman, and that's not normally, that's just not the norm when it comes to the reunification. That's not even a thing. Let's just go there. That's not really a thing. And... Yeah. Because it is a thing and because it's your thing, I would love for you to walk us through your journey of the fatherless generation. How did you start the fatherless generation? How did that birth, how did that come out of you, birth out of you? And where did it come from? Where did it stem from? So I know when I say this, it's going to sound like this is a long story, but I've crafted this well enough to know how to get it in. So started when I was eight years old. Okay. And at eight years old, I heard, and, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual or anything, but I remember this was the, you know, the first time you ever hear God's voice, you remember it no matter how old you are. And I heard God's voice at eight years old and said, I would deliver babies. And so as an eight year old, you know, and then you see TV, guess what's on TV that's delivering babies, the Cosby show. So mm -hmm. Bill Cosby told me I was going to be an OBGYN Lola. <laughs> Mm. So everything I did in my journey from, you know, middle school to high school, all of that was college prep. Everybody that was close to us knew Tori was going to be a doctor, right? Mm. And growing up, you know, college prep, then I, I get into this world of, you know, going to college. I'm going to be, you know, an OBGYN. So guess what? I'm pre-med. I'm biology pre-med. And, and then someone convinced me to go chemistry route. Um, they were paying for my tuition. That's why. And so in the midst of them paying for my tuition, it was actually the John company, which is now Pfizer. Um, through that process, I, I was, I got my degrees and everything, but I wasn't loving certain aspects of my journey. Mm -hmm. And as I'm praying and I'm in Atlanta at Emory and I'm like, this is bad. I'm, something's off. And God then sends me and I see Ajua on here. Oh, you, that's right. You in LA girl. Cause I'm like, what are you doing up in London at this time? She's in LA. <laughs> And so then God sends me over to Bible school in London, which is one of my classmates here. And then that's when the fatherless generation started to come to my heart. And I began to ask questions about who my father is at 28. Never really asked, met a man at one point, had a journey where there was a guy in my life till I was about five, kind of went through that process. But at 18, my mother introduces me to someone else. And I'm like, I ain't got time for that. I'm going to college. I have no time for whatever this is. And that's what a lot of people's children are doing to them at a certain age. We'll get to that. And so um, I'm in Bible school and God is pulling up this thing that I thought I was supposed to be in med school. <laughs> now I'm in Bible school. Okay. And he's talking about fatherlessness. And he's talking about, where's your dad? So I sent my mother, not an email, Lola, but a letter in the mail from London, England. <laughs> you know mail, how long mail. it took to get there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because I'm scared to ask this question. 
And so we finally talk um, over the phone and she gives me some names, two names, and we go through the journey of Tori finding her father. That was a traumatic time. It was really rough and it was rocky, but I found my father. And in the midst of finding my father, um, did the DNA test. I did not want to get to know a man that I didn't know if he was 100% my father. He was 99.963% my biological father. I will never forget those numbers. Mm. And so in the midst of that, I go to my hometown to meet him. The next day I take him out to dinner and I hear once again, the spirit of the Lord say, and call it the fatherless generation foundation. Well, I called someone, a mutual friend of ours and said, I need a logo for something that's called the fatherless generation foundation. You know who I'm talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I called him and, and the logo I have now is the same logo from back then. Wow. And, and it's funny because I've started to notice something different in the logo. I've not seen in 20 years. Like I've had this logo for 20 years now and um, went through that process. And as my father got older, I had two and a half years with him. He was getting sick and I began to hear God say, this is the purpose. This is the calling. This is what I've called you to do is to help other fatherless children connect with their dads. And mm. that's where you will deliver babies <laughs> comes into play. And so we, when we look back at how God spoke that to my heart, yes, I understood it from a very finite understanding, but God had this infinite way of showing what he really meant. What he really meant was you were going to deliver babies back to their biological fathers through Fatherless Generation Foundation and reunification. So that's how this all came about. I was a 31-year-old girl, young woman, who still needed her daddy and met her father, and he changed everything about who she was. Okay, I'm glad you said that, because you were in your 30s. Mm -hmm. And we can jump into the statistics. I posted this week, and I got it from your website, um, yeah. some, some statistics about children coming from fatherless homes. Five times more likely to commit suicide. Ten times more likely to abuse chemical substances. 32 times more likely to run away. 20 times more likely to have behavior disorders. Nine times more likely to drop out of school. And 20 times more likely to end up in prison. So as a 32-year-old woman who has now found her father, after that initial meeting, did you go back and unpack your life and the things that you encountered from your past prior to meeting your father? Absolutely. What there was, was that no way, like? There was no way you couldn't unpack it because it, it all has to now make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Number one, you're educated. You're 31, right? You're 31, 32, right? So you're this woman. What do I need my father for? What am I reuniting with this man for? But you recognize that there were some developmental things that you missed along the way because he wasn't present. And I had to go back and get those things, right? You think you're, you're good, right? I got my, I got my education. I got, I can own a home. I can do all, you know, right. right, we, got right. All, we Jill Scott, we got all this stuff, right? We got this stuff. Yeah, we, we got, got this stuff. stuff. But I was missing the relational things. I was missing some of the developmental things that I needed, not just, um, in male-female relationships, but in my homegirl relationships. Girl, I was burning up them things up like fire. Like, like I was a horrible friend because I had, I had this defense up and then I, there was this place where there were times where I wasn't intentionally doing things where it showed that it felt like I didn't care, but I was doing things that looked like I didn't care about people. 
And I was ruining relationships simply because I lacked the development on how to build flourishing, thriving relationships. Relationships in my household, they came and went. I watched my mother go, girl, bye, whatever. We were quick to cut off in trauma, right? So didn't work out. We ain't friends. We never worked through it. We didn't watch certain aspects of our mothers work through relationships, especially with women. And so we were really quick to cut them off or, or ruin the relationships, relationship sabotage it. And my father provided some things that I needed. And sometimes Lola, he didn't say anything. It was just being in the room with the person who had my DNA. And I can tell you, there were times I'd sit in the room with him and my skin was, it was on fire. And I was like, okay, I got to go. <laughs> I didn't know what I was leaving. I just needed to go. I even wrote my father a letter after getting to know him for a period of time. It might've been a couple of months. And I said, you are messing up the dynamic between God and I, because, you know, I say, folks, well, God is my father. You know, he said he's right. the father from the fatherless. Right. And so we allowed God to be this perfect father. And now he's giving me my earthly father back and he is not perfect. He has flaws. He has things about him that are uncomfortable for me. And I'm not necessarily all the way feeling it. <laughs> and so I wrote him a letter and said, I need for you to back away for a minute. Didn't take much time before I circled back, probably another couple of weeks where I circled back. I knew I needed him. And unpacking that stuff felt very uncomfortable. It felt like my skin was on fire. <laughs> my heart would beat really fast. I would have anxiety. Then I would have days of lows and wondering why I need to do this anyway. Because um, you're questioning the journey the entire way until you have this light, this illumination. And I'm going to tell you that I didn't really get most of this, Lola for two and a half years until close to his passing. I didn't get it. My father called me one Monday um, morning and asked me to clear my schedule. And I thought, that's really strange, <laughs> but okay. It's Monday, but okay, I'll do it for you, you're my dad. And I cleared my schedule and called him back. And when I called him back, he began to talk to me about the woman he saw me as and the mistakes I was making in the relationships and the friendships. He could see it. And let me tell you, my father was blind when I met him. He was blind. He never saw me with his physical eyes. Mm -mm. And so he, but he could see me with his spiritual eyes. And he saw those things that I was messing up with. And he said, when you start to do these things and you step into this, this is when the world will open up to you. He was prophesying to me, the woman he saw me becoming and that I needed to become. That was Monday. Wednesday, he went into a coma. Saturday, he died. That's when I understood everything we had been walking through. And let me be honest, my mother made this process even more difficult. I was already dealing with stuff. So when I would go to my hometown, I would normally be with her. We'd go by, I'd fly from Atlanta into Toledo where she lived and we'd drive to Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I'm from. And my mother would do things like, okay, um, I'm gonna drop you off and I'm gonna go around the corner. You need to be back outside when I go around the corner. Well, Lola, we come from, you come from a small town. I come from a small town. You know how small that corner is. Right, right. That's a short drive. That's not even five minutes. You're not going right. to give me five minutes in the South. Right. He made it very difficult. So in making it difficult, on top of all the emotional stuff, I had to walk through this journey pretty much by myself. But mm. I will tell you on this side of it, it was worth every bit of it. There's so much that you just said <laughs> that I need to unpack. Okay. I'm going to slow down. <laughs> Yeah, cause, cause, cause you're, you, 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 I need, a, I need to put on a, a seatbelt for this. I, I don't know if you guys <laughs> yeah. need to put on a seatbelt. 
you guys put in the comment if you need to put on the seatbelt. And also put in the comments if you were raised without your father. I think that's very important in this conversation. If you were raised without your father in your home, um, I think that's very important. Um, how important, you said something about your father's not seeing you physically, but seeing you spiritually. How important are the words, like in, in, your, uh, in, in your experience as a mediator and dealing with re, you know, reunifying families or children with their fathers, how is the father's messaging or the father's wisdom or the father's words to their children important? Like, what does that do to a child or what does that do to a young adult? Or, or an older adult, right? Or, or an older yeah, However old we are when, they, when those words hit. Let's just say from the moment he placed those words in my life, they have literally been the steering of everything that I do. Like it's, it is the, the focal point. It is the compass. It is everything that I am. I'm no longer walking. In, I'm no longer in the world of chemistry. No longer in that world. I am a minister and I am doing the work of my father but it came through reuniting with my earthly father. And my father had some strong words to say that day. And to have a beautiful um, bonus mom, his widow is still around. And I call her the keeper of the prophecy. So when I do something and I post it on social media or I tell her, she'll say, your father said you do that. Your father said you do that. It, when I tell you, I'm tearing up. It is one of the most powerful things I've ever experienced in my life because those words are, they're attached to you. Just like words, word curses get attached to you. Mm -hmm. And you seem that that seems to be leading you and you don't want it leading you, but it is because you haven't healed from it. My father through his words were filling wounds that I didn't even know I had. And he was directing my path with prophetic words, very much so biblically that I didn't even know that I needed him to direct. I'm telling you, he was blind. I remember the day I met him and I heard him ask my bonus mom, does she look like me? And she said, she has your smile. Well, Lola, that's the first time I'd ever heard. You don't, you look just like your mama. That's the first time I, I didn't hear that. Right, right. Because <laughs> growing up, I heard, oh, you look just like your mama. And I do. But there was this moment where my identity was attached to someone else. And it was the most awesome blessing I could have ever received. To have my identity attached to my father. No, not perfect. Had a lot of errors. Had a lot of mistakes in his journey. But that identity caused me to not only lean to one side of who I am, it caused me to be aligned and walk fully straight in all of who I am without any questions, without any qualms. Because when you only have an understanding of one side of who you are, you tend to lean to that, right? And as you lean to that, there's a limp attached to that, right? Many of you are limping through life and you don't even know it, but people who are holding healed can see it. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. that, that downloaded. <laughs> that just downloaded. And I want you to speak to the thought process of when you're leaning to the side of the mother, the person that you were raised with. And you know, in the Black family, in the Black community, our mothers are deity. Deity. And we don't want to talk bad about our mothers, but... <sighs> Let's keep it a buck, because we Ooh, keep it a buck in here, Joy. We keep it a buck, okay? 
We keep it a buck. Um, our mothers, we got some mother wounds that just are not, that has our generation and the generation right behind us messed up. And we're walking around limping, as you say, because we're either missing our fathers or we had a, not, a, not an absentee father, but an emotionally disconnected father who was in the household or a narcissistic mother who ran the household and we modeled that behavior and then we become adults and then we start trauma bonding with those same type of individuals so we end up marrying either our mother or our father in the form of our partner right absolutely Let's talk about that the mother the 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 side that you that you were leaning towards in the absence of your father. The side what, I was leaning towards. How that affects children and how that affects your young adult life and the decisions that we make. Let me, let me give it to you this way. I knew that there were some mental health challenges in my household and around my mother's family, but I just knew they were mental health or there were some moments of depression. And then I knew there were some check-ins at some clinics, right? And I was like, oh, she's depressed not realizing that my mother was bipolar. And so she was having manic moments and things of that nature. And so I'm cultivated and being groomed in a household where my mother's bipolar. I am the parent to my younger sibling. Parentification is in full effect. I am the emotional father in the household. She's the provider. And so here we have this dynamic that many of us call normal. But it's trauma. <laughs> it's trauma. trauma. And we don't realize it's trauma because it's our norm. And guess what? We go to our cousin's house and they got the same thing. And we go to our, our other cousin's house and they got the same thing. We go over to our, our neighbor's house and they got a similar thing. So we don't realize that this is trauma until we are an adult and we are trying to walk out these relationships in our own lives. Right. And when you get with someone trauma bonding, you even recognize that their trauma is trauma. And you're like, wait a minute. And they're looking at you like, no, that's trauma. And you don't realize that fatherlessness is trauma and it creates trauma bonding where you're bonding over similar backgrounds, but also being attracted to similar traumas. And when you, you, you phrase, what was the question you just phrased? I'm sorry. I had it in my head. Um, how do, how do you, how does that affect a young adult, a child when you're leaning to that, the parent that's present? That's right. Because yeah. At that time, you don't know the story of the other parent. You are only told what you're told by the parent that you're leaning to that side. So they could have dressed that story up to make them make themselves look like Superman or Superwoman and make, you know, the the father that's out of the household look like the villain. Right? Absolutely. Based Absolutely. off of bitterness or pain got, or hurt or something. You gotta realize here's this place of um, emotional incest that's happening because I'm the parent. So I'm learning about all her boyfriends, all her stuff, all her drama, right? So I have emotional incest happening to me. And then in the midst of how does that affect me as, as, a, as a young child, as a young adult? Well, I, I now have anxiety. I now have anxiety that I don't recognize as anxiety until I'm in a relationship and my husband comes through the house and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to get. Am I going to get a regular person? Am I going to get it? And I'm looking at him like, Oh my God, I don't know if this is from you or from my, <laughs> from my upbringing. And then children are growing up in this 
and they're being loyal to their mother because she's the one who stayed. And so not only do you have trauma bonds and all these other things, but you got a loyalty bond to your mother. Even when she's toxic, you will watch children go testify in court, call their dads all type of names and say that they don't want to be with their dad because the mother has now told them, your father left me for the other woman. Your father did blah, blah, blah. So the children have a loyalty bond to the mother in all its beautiful dysfunction. And they may not, they may not ever break from it. Some of us are married to people who may not ever break from that loyalty bond. The Bible says, leave, to, leave your mother and your father and cleave to your wife. When you have a loyalty bond from your fatherless upbringing, it is very difficult to leave your mother because your father wasn't there. When you, especially when you're your man, right? This, that's specific to men. How do I leave my mother hanging when she doesn't have anybody and I've been her protector? I've been the man of the house. See, we got all of these things that we've now created. And I'm going to say this to you, ladies. You wonder why these young men don't want to commit to you and he's struggling. He already got a wife or he's had a wife since he was 14, 15 years old called his mother. And he's struggling through the journey of relationships and commitment because he wants to be free. He's been in bondage to this woman and loyal to her his entire journey and may still be in some regards. So now what do you do when you've now married a person who cannot leave, cannot cleave to his wife because he already got a mother. And if he's created a situation outside of the situation with his mother, so now he's got a child outside of wedlock, he not only has one wife in his mother, he's got a second wife in his baby mama and a third one in his child if it's a daughter. So now you're showing up on the scene and you're struggling with what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to make this work? You haven't done the spiritual work to detach those soul ties in order for you to move in and step into your full glory and your full position as his wife. And I know that from experience. Let me tell you, <laughs> it is a journey, but it's that loyalty bond that starts all of this. We just live in a dysfunctional Lola. But I, but I just heard something else in the midst of what you just said. This is not just men who are married. This is men who are not married, that are single, that don't want to get married because they have been already attached and have that loyalty bond to their Girl, mother who made, who made yeah. their child their husband when they were 12 and 13 and 14. Now you're the father of the house. You're the protector of the house. How many times have you heard single mothers tell their young boys, you're now the father, you are now the protector of the house. And we think that's cute. Just like we think it's cute when women say, I'm the mother and the father. No, you are not. You are pulling yourself into a whole situation that God did not create you to be in. And you are stretching your mental health and your mental capacity beyond what God designed it to be. And so you're going to find yourself narcissistic. You're going to find yourself and bipolar and depressed and all of these things, all of these mental health challenges that we talk about. This is where they're created. Fatherlessness is a mental health issue and it creates one. Period. Oh, you guys, <laughs> please. I, I mean, people are in the comments saying that their mother trained, trained one, of, one of my brothers saying his mom trained him to hate his father growing up. <laughs> Um, and he asked, how do you detach from these soul ties with your parent? How do you detach the soul tie? That's a barrier. You're going to start to put up these boundaries and barriers, and that's going to require you to go to counseling and therapy. You can't do this by yourself. You've got to go get the tools to do it because 
even when you erect a barrier, because when we grow up in fatherless homes, we've already talked about how everybody running amok. The moment you set up a boundary, <laughs> how you enforce that consequence. But wait a minute. Can you, I had this conversation. I had a boundaries show if you guys have not seen this boundary show it's an awesome show that you can see, on, see our, on on the IGTV section but for those of you especially in the black community we don't really know what boundaries are can you expand upon what a boundary is when you're setting up a boundary specifically with a family member because we didn't come from the generation where we had boundaries they didn't teach us boundaries we didn't I'm have sure boundaries I got my, th these are my books that I just go to on the fly, right? I got a whole library, but these are the ones. See, th they have they have books that you can go get <laughs> if you don't know. And I got the video to go with this one. Boundaries in marriage, right? Boundaries in dating, boundaries and all that. It's drawing a line. It's saying, you can't cross this. You can't treat me this way. You can't do this to me. And if you do, there will be consequences. Now, this is the part we struggle with. We will say this to our parents. But then when it's time to erect the consequence, we don't enforce it. We don't enforce it. We don't enforce it. Because we're like, well, how do I do that? That feels like punishment. I don't understand. No, you have to enforce what it is you're saying that you're going to do. Otherwise, it's not a boundary. And when we're talking about, I see it here when he asks, how do you detach it? We can talk about praying about it, right? But once you pray about it, you need to go do the actual steps to breaking these soul ties. Some of these women, let's go to these women that you've been with. You need to stop going back over there every now and then and getting you a little piece. Okay. Um, yeah, you need to stop that. You need to stop putting your children in a position where they run the show because you feel bad as a father. And so you play put it in a bag when you see them, you let them do whatever it is they need to, they want to do in your life. And then they're manipulating and controlling you. And you have to put it into that and show them what a real household looks like, especially when you have um, a wife or a husband in place. Because Lola said it earlier, many of us end up marrying our fathers or our mothers. But I'm starting to learn that I think many black women who have toxic mothers are marrying their mothers in the form of their spouse way more than they're marrying the father. And that thing is a whole situation that you weren't prepared for. But when That's I, a when whole I, situation. It's a whole situation. And so we've been taught that we're marrying our fathers. We've heard that so often, right? You're marrying your father. But what if I didn't have a relationship with him? Typically, we're marrying the parent that we're trying to redo it's like we want a new ending with right and girls we want a new ending with our mothers if we don't have a good relationship with her and so we're gonna we're gonna have this relationship and we're gonna find a man that's very similar to our mothers and growing up in the fatherless generation you know lola we we masculine girl we got this masculine energy we got to tame and guess what we find a man that's pretty infeminate at times and if he's not infeminate you know outwardly he can be very alpha male but in how he processes his emotions is very feminine, which looks like our mothers. <laughs> and so in the end, you still end up marrying your mom. And oh, someone's asking about the boundary book. So the boundaries book, um, and, and I think a lot of people, do you mind if I share this again? I'm sorry. Please, please. This one is um, boundaries in marriage, but it's by the same authors and they have boundaries in dating. They have boundaries with your children. They have a whole line of boundaries. And I have the DVD for this one and the curriculum. Because even in marriage, we think because we're black, we just let it just run them up, right? And I was running over my husband's boundaries. Let's just keep it real. And he was running over mine. And there came a point where I wanted to understand how do we navigate this differently so that we can be better to one another. And so I had to do this study. This was part of 
um, an assignment that I had to do. Um, and that's just really what it is. It's when you're breaking soul ties, you got to go back and maybe sometimes you got to apologize, but I'm going to tell you, you can't keep sleeping with these people. You can't keep allowing them carte blanche into your journey. How many times we've seen that video on social media with the mother sitting in the front seat of the girlfriend's car and she's like, uh-uh, your mama got to get out the front seat. And the mother's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm always his mother. Well, I just said for better or for worse, till death do I part with him. So how is it that you like you forever and I'm not? She's already <laughs> telling you your position. That's not like you got to wreck the boundary. And the dude was tied as to, well, baby, you just get in the back seat. Lola, I promise you, I wouldn't have gotten in the back seat either. <laughs> I promise you. But because there's there's a boundary that's missing there. Mm. And because we have, we've been raised in all of this dysfunction, we don't even understand the order of things. Well, not only that, I, I wanna I want you to speak to this because I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was a few weeks ago where rapper Meek Mill was, I don't know if he was on Instagram or if he was on Twitter. But he has said this, and I don't know if it was they were paraphrasing him or paraphrasing what he was saying, but he said to the effect, he was just like, whoever I'm with, whoever I end up with, they got to understand that my mama comes first. Because when I was in prison, my mama was the one who came and saw me. And my mama has always been down for me. And my mama, my mama, my mama, my mama, my mama, dot, 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 right? So there was all this conversation going on, like, well, who's supposed to be the first person? Like, if he gets married, who would be the person that he would, you know, put first? His mom. If a if the house was on fire, he's gonna get his mom. Now it's out of order, and I get where he's coming from, but there's an order of things. We didn't tell you to throw away your mom. There's an honor to our parents that we're supposed to have. So you're gonna honor her. But it's not, if you're married, I'm not talking about some chick that you're dating. I'm talking about marriage and covenant. There's an order to things. And when you don't understand the order, you are just setting yourself up for divorce and for, for heartbreak, for more dysfunction. Because more than likely, you're going to have children in that situation. And you're going to find yourself divorced. I saw someone say, when you asked that question, their parents divorced when they were 14. I'd love to know, did they have arrested development? Are they in a place where they, they still show up as, at 14 when their father walked out the door? Because a lot of us, that's what's happening to us. We are arrested at the age when our fathers left the house. And that's how we show up in relationships. That's the age we show up. You think you're dealing with a 35-year-old woman, but she's actually 14. You think you're dealing with a 32-year-old man, but he's actually five when he shows up in the relationship. And how do you deal with that? How do you grow somebody up? After their father has left, you heal that father wound. You have to heal the father wound. Mm, 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 Meek Mill is out of pocket for that. He's out of order. And I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. But he's oh, Meek Mill. So the girls are going to touch him with a 10-foot pole. They're going to touch him with a pole that's farther, closer to 10 foot. Somebody <laughs> says, emotionally, I feel five. Mm. I feel five because... Was that at the time that your father left your house or the time that you knew that your father was not there, that you feel five? That's a proxy. But to, let me say this. It's always important to know your emotional age. That's the work. Like if y'all got a pen and paper, write that down. Spend time this week asking yourself in meditation in a quiet space, 
and asking yourself, how old are you emotionally? When did the trauma hit that stunted your growth developmentally? It says, he says, it's when I realized I was fatherless. Whoa, wait. Another person said, my dad lived six blocks from my I mom. He was emotionally detached, always present. Fully unhealthy. You are so right about that. I think I, I say this. My journey of not knowing my father, not knowing who he is, where he was, what he looked like, is much better than having that situation. Because you have something there that you can't fully. grasp hold of. Yeah, it's and there, a, but it's not there's there. A, there, there's a lot to say about that because if you grew up in the 70s like I grew up, most people that had their black fathers in the household, nine times out of 10, your dad was emotionally unavailable. Yeah. But yeah. that's what they were taught. That's what he learned. That's what he learned because his father and was emotionally unavailable. Or not there at all. Or not right? there. And so not there. We, we, our black men have had to glean what manhood and fatherhood looks like from the streets and from TV. And it doesn't look like I'm emotionally engaged with my children. The only one who showed us that was like Bill Cosby, right? But he showed it to us, but we didn't necessarily know how to do that. <laughs> he didn't give us the tools in, a, in an hour episode. He just showed us what it looked like. So how do I do that if I've never seen that? I see somebody said old school Caribbean. Yeah, boo. Which I'm is in, in servitude of the father. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have a bunch of Caribbean friends and and and, and much like the Bible Belt South, because I grew up in in the South, we were raised and taught as women to be of, of service to to men, right? Mm -hmm. Our presence was not as important as the presence of a male. Which mm. also is a Jedi mind trick when you get older because now you want to bully your presence. Oh, see, and I grew up in the Midwest. So now Ooh. you're talking about men, black men who are emotionally detached. And then you've got black women who are bullying their presence emotionally because I'm not getting anything from you. So I need you to talk to me. I need you to, you know, say this to me. I need you to tell me that you love me. Yeah. Because you yeah. didn't get that at home. You didn't, you didn't get it at home. You didn't see your mom and your daddy hug. You didn't so see your mom and your daddy say that they loved each other. They barely so, told you that they loved, loved you. And, and so now you have this anxious, preoccupied attachment style because you're constantly needing love and it's see never me. enough. Pick me. Yeah. <laughs> love yeah. me. Yes. And it's never enough. He can tell you he loves you all the time. Hello? My name is Dr. Tori J. Evans Barton, and I think I'm 40% preoccupied. I think, it, no, it's not 40, it's 30%. I'm 50% secure. I'm happy about that. Um, I, I, I do know that part of who I am, but I am, I, I have a preoccupied, um, an anxious preoccupied aspect of me that needs to understand that because I'm afraid of being what? Abandoned and rejected. That's the, that's the, that's the piece of that. And um, Lola, I'll send you that quiz. It's a young lady that I know who does this quiz. Do the quiz and then opt out of her stuff, but her quiz is really good. And it gives you the different parts of who you are and how you attach to relationships. And even looking at your relationship with your mother. Can we have the conversation, Lola, of I want to be in a relationship, but I got issues with my mama. 
And I got issues with my daddy because I learned that those who have daddy issues typically have mommy issues. And then I'm trying to date people who are coming from these similar generations. And you saw me go off the other day because I have a men's group and there was a lot of depression and holding their heads down. And they were very upset on Monday. And I got on there and I went off because my, my true issue is we sit on social media and we talk about how horrible the men are, black ladies, right? You, you want to be picked, but then you dog them out and talk about how horrible they are. Oh, this group is horrible. And he's this and he's that. And then men, you guys do the same thing. These chicks out here, they ain't, all they do, all they do is this and they just want me to buy this and they just want me to, mm, I'm not even going to use the terms that I do know. <laughs> and it's horrible. But guess what happens? That we're not willing to admit. We're not willing to admit that many of these, these individuals are trash, as you would put it online. It's because their mama raised them, their single mother raised them, and how she raised them was trash. And instead of holding our single mothers accountable to the trash job they did, we then will keep loyal, will he stay loyal to her and stay bonded to her and then throw away the relationship that was God ordained for us. We, we picked that person because God told us to. Now we'll get a divorce to stay loyal to mama, although she was trash. And then guess what she did? She did everything for, 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 for the dude. She did everything growing up. She cooked for him, cleaned for him, went to work, did all this. And then he gets in a relationship with you and expects you to be super mom and super woman. And I'm going to tell you something, Lola. My bedroom was next to my mother's. I don't have children at this point because I wanted to be married before I had children. And now that's a whole other, gen that's a whole other story. But I'm going to tell you right now, I, I heard my mother cry at night. Many of you missed the cues. And so now you think that your, your woman's supposed to show up like your mother did which drew, drove her, it drove her nuts. It drove your mother to have behavioral disorders and mental health disorders that you're not even aware of because you're not conscious of her as a mother. You're not conscious of her as a woman and you're not paying attention to even the woman you have now. And so then when she acts a certain way, you get upset and you want to walk out on the situation. How crazy is that? But that's the stuff we've learned. That's the stuff we've learned. And it's time for us, honestly, we'll hold our dads accountable all day long. He show back up in the picture. We're going to go off. The first thing we want to do is tell him off. When's the last time you just, not about telling your mother off. When's the last time you pulled your mother and said, hey, let's have dinner. Let's have a talk. Let's have coffee. And you need, then a, you, you hold her feet to the fire and tell her the places where she, she missed it and that you needed her and you needed certain things to be in place and have her own the struggle, have her own the places where she didn't, she didn't raise you right, as they say. She didn't raise you right. Because Lola, we had a conversation over the phone. Well, we were actually on Zoom way too long. Wait. <laughs> we were supposed to have an hour conversation. Lola and I were catching up. We hadn't seen each other in forever. And we had that conversation of back in the South, back in the day, guess what they would say to you? You know, you wanted to date somebody. Who they people? Mm. My husband would say in his hometown, make me know you. Mm. Well, why do people want to know who your people were? Because they knew the dirt on people. You guys are dating people. You don't know the dirt on their family line. Not just them. Oh, they show up spruced and all cleaned up. You don't know the dirt on their family line. Was their grandmama crazy? Was their mama off? Was their daddy an issue? How do those sins begin to play out? Because your family knows. And that's why they didn't want you to partner with certain people. That's why you shouldn't partner with certain people. Because in many ways, you don't know the trauma bonds that you're creating. But your family, they, they know. That's why they said, young man, make me know you. Who are your peoples? Who are your people? <laughs> right. Who are your people? Yeah. 
I think this con we got to do a part two. I know because we have uh, Instagram will cut you off in an hour, and and Lord knows we we got about ten minutes on this conversation. I want to know if we were if you're talking to black women in your experience of reunifying children with their fathers because I did not want this to be I I personally sent this out to my black men heel black joy yes. men tribe and I said listen you guys this is not going to be a black male bashing session no. I need you to understand that's not what is this is not what what we're doing what we're trying to do is raise awareness of how it affects children when you are not in the home and you don't have a relationship with your child. And yeah. for various reasons, it could be because you got a wayward daddy or you a wayward person or you're trash. But it also could be because your baby mama is bitter and she's just keeping you from your child. So. And let me tell you, that's happening way more than we're actually able to acknowledge. I see it all the time. I'm telling you, the heads were hung low on Monday because that's the thing that was happening. I have a gentleman who was on that call. He's been alienated from his daughter for 10 years, and he's a white man. The other gentleman, he actually fought one custody because um, there were only two on that night. Another one jumped in. We normally have about five on the call. Um, but one guy, he had, um, he had gained custody of his daughter when she was about four. He raised her on his own. She was about 11 or so. He got married. And when he got married, the mother, the woman that he married had a real hard time bonding with his daughter. They end up getting pregnant. She has a son. That turns into a whole thing. They're now in the crux of divorce. She has now kidnapped, basically. His nine, she's, the daughter's 19 now. He doesn't see his daughter because his daughter lives at home with this stepmother. And now she makes it very hard for him to see his son. How do you take a man's child from another woman? She's fed her things. And this little girl does not want anything to do with her father. And she's 19. So guess what? She can make that decision. And he can't do anything about it. Not, what, is, what is he going to do? Go over there and beat her? Pull her out of the house? He can't do anything. And so he is just, like distraught. Like I had to keep telling him, you lift your head up. This is just part of the battle. This is not, this is not the end. He would sit on the camp and I'd say, lift your head back up. You're not defeated. And he felt defeated. And we talked about fathers matter, why fathers matter. And I, I poured into them that night because men, you have to know that you matter. You matter in ways that maybe society's never told you. Maybe we as your black women have not shared with you, but you matter from a place of we are not good without you. We don't show up well without you. If you look outside and you see the world around us, it's this way because you're not in it. And because we've diminished your presence, we've diminished who you are in our lives, and we need you. We need you to show up. We need you to show up 100% who you call to be. And you're going to have to deal with some of us because we're not used to your presence. We're not used to your words. As I told Lola recently, I said, I used to have an issue with the voice of a father. So when men would speak to me who weren't my fathers and they'd be talking to me about responsibility, about guidance, about direction, I would tear up and get. And when my husband did the same thing, guess what? I would cry too. And I think he took that in the wrong way. And it wasn't that I was crying or I was upset about what he said. It was just a hard place. It was a new, it was a new place. It was an uncomfortable place, Lola. 
We need those talks with our fathers because it builds us up so that we can walk in the right direction. My, if my father had never, ever had the talk with me that he had with me on that Monday afternoon, I would never be sitting in the seat saying that I've reunited over 8,000 children with over 3,000 fathers. It was my father's words. and It was my father's presence that did that. It created everything that I am to this day. It created everything that I am. And if we don't have that, we keep walking with a limp. We keep being imbalanced. And we need you men. We need you in ways that I cannot describe. When I think about why we need men, and, and I want to say this, I need you as a man first before I need you as a father. Mm. Because too often we skip over from childhood to fatherhood because you're looking for something too and now you've laid with a young lady and now you got a baby and you go from fatherhood, from childhood to fatherhood before you even get manhood. I need you to be a man first and I need you to go find him. I need you to go and find out who you are so that then when you step into fatherhood, you can pour all of that out into your children. It's what I get to, I get to hear the pains of men that no one will ever hear, Lola. And when women, when I share them with women, they're like, oh, they just giving you a sob story. How dismissive, how insensitive we are to the, to the needs and the pains of men. And I saw that video that you posted where it says, where do, where do men go when they need someone to talk to? And they were like, nowhere, do people, people can do that. They come see me, Lola. You see the videos on YouTube where they say, I am shocked a woman is doing this and a black woman at that. Right, right, right. right. They come to me and I listen. And I may not have anything to give them. Sometimes I don't because I'm not a man, but I'm grateful that we have other men on our board who can call them and coach them and, and give them therapy, right? Because I'm a woman still and I'm not trying to step into that place. Right. That's still a trauma, right? Because right. I could show up as their mother or their girlfriend if right. I do it on the wrong day. right. Right. So I'm I'm gonna get off my speech when it comes to why we need them because we need you. I I I I think this conversation is just woo. I mean, I know I have to put a button on it, but I I'm just I, you guys are you guys like me like I'm I I I'm kind of speechless right now. I don't really know what to say because I knew that we were going to get into it. I knew it was going to be like this. And I knew that it was going to be transformative. And I know that the women and the men that attended are going to get so many nuggets from what you said, from your journey. Um, someone says, my openness to healing causes so much friction with my family, but there's no going back. Absolutely. Okay, can I address that? Can I address that? Yeah, yeah. True Talk podcast, let me tell you. I thought reuniting with my father over here and having my mother and my family here was going to get me a whole beautiful big family. Now, I lost my mother and I lost my little brother who I was raised with, Jesus, in the process of reuniting with my father. It's not always pretty, you guys. It doesn't Most mean that it doesn't mean that because now I have reunited with my father that because you gotta understand, people feel like they you, you should have allegiance to them. You owe them and you have allegiance and loyalty, and when you don't. They are going to taint your siblings who you don't have the same father with. Or maybe you're mad at the father and you don't want to go along either. They are going to alienate you from them because they couldn't continue to alienate you from the father. Right. It happens. I think we all just need to take a breath. <laughs> um, what in Dr. Tory's life, what are you doing? What how can we 
what can we get from you? What are you doing? What What are you working on? Ooh. I want you guys the one to go follow her. I am Tori <laughs> J. Is her handle? I am I A M T O R R I J. Um. Also follow the Fatherless Generation. Yeah. Um. Please go there and fo follow the Fatherless Fatherless Generation. But what are you working on going forward? I know that you guys, she skipped out on going to Africa. She was supposed to be on a plane to Africa yesterday. Look, you know, I don't, like many people don't know this, Lola. You done announced it. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's okay. I'm not, no, no, you don't need to apologize. I'm like, uh oh, Lola gonna tell my, my new journey. Go ahead. I'm gonna tell him. Go ahead. Please just, but, but. She was supposed to be on a plane. I was supposed to be on a plane. And she decided that this was important and she <laughs> needed to be here to have this conversation with Hill Black Joy Tribe. So I'm forever indebted and forever grateful for you for having this conversation with us. So please let us know what you're working on before they cut us off on Instagram. Oh, yeah, because they're going to. We got like, like six, seven minutes. Yeah. I am headed to Africa. <laughs> I'm saying this whole line right now. <laughs> Um, that's my little. That was my secret. It's okay. People, do. I'm sorry. Not, a, I'm not sorry. everybody. It's a, no. It's okay. You, we good. We on. We on heal black joy. Yeah. Um, I moved to Africa to launch my businesses globally. So I will launch the Fatherless Generation Foundation in Johannesburg. I will launch it in Lusaka, Zambia, and then I will go spy out the land in Lagos and Accra to see if God wants me to put it there as well. And so this journey is really opening up the opportunity for black men all over the globe. There are laws and things like that that are against you. I do a lot of lobbying. I'm in D.C. quite often. We have an office in D.C. that we're going to reopen. Due to COVID, we were kind of, we were shut down and we were very minimal. And so in the midst of that, I'm now going to reopen all of the offices that we had around the country. Atlanta is now back open, but we're going to open up the offices and back in D.C., St. Louis, um, Dallas, Los Angeles. We're going to open those offices back up because those are touch points for people. And it allows people to have an opportunity to walk into an office and see what we do and have a meeting. Not everybody wants to do it online or virtually. They want to have somebody that they can touch because human connection is very important, especially when you're dealing with something this deep. So I'm going to Africa. I am reopening offices. I am relaunching all aspects of what it is that we do. Once again, COVID didn't kill us, but it shut us down in a way that we've had right. to really um, relaunch a lot of things. And now Tori is starting her own brand. So the Tori J brand will come forth where we have retreats. We have, and it's all around finding and identifying your father and dealing with your daddy issues. So we will have a retreat March, 2020 in Sedona, Arizona, which is one of the most healing places I've ever been in my entire life. We will do, um, I have a book that's going to come out in June called I've Got Daddy Issues, the things that I learned on a 19 city tour. And you'll get to know more about my story, but also the tools that I learned along the way, talking to people and, and sharing stories and healing people in that 19 city tour. So there's a lot of things that's going to come out in 2022. We just need COVID to go away. I know that's go right. <laughs> Heal Black Joy, you guys, I thank you for tuning in as usual. I thank you guys for sharing our stories. Dr. Tori, thank you so much again for your 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 love, your expertise, your work that you do because your work is it, it is international and I I can't wait to see what you're going to be doing with the fatherless generation. I know that's what you're very passionate about. Yeah. Um we've talked about this and if there's anything that we can do to to help you get out there 
y'all are beautiful and awesome. Thank you, True Talks. Oh, that's my sister. Um, to get your get your message out to people, you know I'm here and I'm 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 so in your corner and an advocate for what you do. And can I ask, like, if people can we talk about people helping and yeah, donating? Yeah, yeah. To the please, family? please talk about it. So if you guys want to sponsor a, a father reuniting with his child, if you want to do any of that, you want to sponsor a child in the peer groups, we're relaunching the peer groups, go to the page um, tfgf.org. I'll type it in here. Um, go to tfgf.org. And there are ways that you can donate. And some of y'all like Cash App more than y'all like uh, going to those websites. So I know some people just like to drop it. So go ahead and, and donate because kids are benefiting from this. We just launched our ambassadorship program. One of the young ladies, she was one of our very first um, kids in our peer group. She is now 19 years old, attending Georgia State, found me on social media. A few of them do this. And I just realized, you know what? It's time to actually have these kids come back and be a part of the peer groups. And so we're now giving them scholarships to be ambassadors. And they get that for um, a year, a year and a half, where they get the scholarship, but they're also doing tours in the different peer groups in their cities where they're helping children understand the reason why they're in the peer groups and how beneficial it can be to them. They, they're texting me and calling me and saying, hey, I now know what you were doing. I now have the tools to heal that I got when I was eight, nine years old, and I'm operating in them now that I'm 19 and 20 years old. Lola, that came from God. I didn't do this. Right. I prayed, and it, God was giving me this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. To see that, to see that come unreal. full circle is so unreal. And um, those kids need sponsorship. Not all of them come from a place where their parents can put them in a boys and girls club or a community center where they can participate. It's only $125 per child and they get a 13 week curriculum. That's not, that'll change their life. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that and how we can do something about it. Um, thank you guys for tuning in as always to tune in to what's going on at Hill Black Joy. But once again, I just want to thank you for being on and talking to us about what you're doing and how fathers, the importance of fathers in the lives of their children. It's so important. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. And thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Always remember that this healing journey, sometimes it's going to feel like soul food and sometimes it's going to feel like war. I urge you to acknowledge and honor both positions and everything in between. Thanks for tuning into the Heal Black Joy podcast presents Soul Food and War.